1: it's time to get outside this is ksl outdoors brought to you by tracks power sports two hours of stories and information on hunting fishing and high adventure our host is tim hughes on ksl news radio
2: welcome back hour number two and the final one for another week of ksl outdoors radio an hour from now we'll be turning over the brains to uh, todd and maria for the greenhouse show so look forward to that Big goings on today. I want to mention this before I forget uh, because today, Saturday, is the first official day that BYU sports will be a part and is a part of Big 12 uh, uh, conference. There you go. Trying to boot up the, the word here, Navi. Uh, but it's a big day for Cougar fans and Cougar football. They've been waiting a long time for it and so Cougar Sports Saturday starting at noon is going to be broadcasting from Provo and they're inviting families to bring your uh, family down to uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. They're going to have just a lot of fun and games today uh, which is great and uh, congratulations going to Cougar fans and their uh, franchise down there, their program. Uh, I know even as a Ute fan you're happy to see that for them, Navi.
3: Yes I am. No, it's, it's interesting how they are now authorities, though, on how tough they are, but they've never been
2: there. <laughs> There's the little dig I was looking for. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting year, and I, I just hope that they have patience on uh, how their programs come around and compete at that in the P5 with uh, the Big 12. But uh, we'll look forward to that broadcast coming up today on KSL. Um, Russ Smith is still here from Sky Call. Yeah, still here. And you still have phones out there. You mentioned you've got oh, one man. going to Alaska. Yeah, we've got a guy uh, about our age, solo Harley ride up to Alaska. Oh, he's on a motorcycle. Yeah, a motorcycle solo and uh, nice guy. I haven't met him, but but Scott talked with him and and already set it up. So all right, great. When's that, is he going to check in with us? Or do a we couple know? Of weeks. No, we'll have am checking in every right. every. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll look forward to that uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, bring Jeremy Shaw into the conversation, I almost forgot, Navidomskis. So you've got a new member of the family, and I'm going to guess. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that Mama didn't name her Hellcat either.
3: No, she wasn't really pleased with that name, but yeah. it's one of those Gen Z things. I thought I'd tag it or something.
2: <laughs> well, we better tell everybody what it is. It's uh, a new member in the form of a golf cart.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> How boring nice. is our life? No, we bought a golf cart because we're retired, and, and that's oh, yeah. what we do.
2: Yeah. You said it was sort of the consummate uh, signal of retirement was to right. have a golf cart. And appropriate, as long as we're talking football here, that it comes in uh, Ute Red. All
3: right. Well, it's a little more USC than I wanted it to be. I wanted it more true red, but it's got a little bit of that maroon.
2: Can we expect a paint job and stickers then, or what?
3: Well, definitely stickers okay. and and cover, a total Ute cover on
2: it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Love the picture the other day. So, anyway, welcome to the family, Hellcat. Yeah. Right. I'm not surprised Mama wasn't happy about that. Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Shaw is the Antelope Island State Park Manager and has been on the program several times with us and uh, rejoins us now. Welcome in, Jeremy.
4: Hey, thanks. Good to be here again. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, first thing i'm curious about before we talk about the bison is uh, what conditions are like out there I, I, we haven't talked obviously since the water came up, but it must look a whole lot different than it has the past few years
4: It sure does yeah you can uh, you can look out and actually see water now and uh, you can even walk to it believe it or not so yeah things are really looking good out here
2: yeah um, has it changed camping or i guess it hasn't come up that far but it must make it at least more pleasant for people that are coming to visit
4: it it does for people that want to see the lake it makes it a lot more accessible um a lot of people come anyway our visitation is really through the roof but um it makes it a lot easier if you want to come out and and actually fill the salty water it's it's not quite such a hike as it used to be
2: yeah changes for the animals too or hard to tell at this point Yeah, not so much. Um, Shorebirds are a little
4: bit closer for bird watching and stuff like that. But most of the freshwater, well, all of the freshwater out here is from springs. And so the wildlife, you know, made it through that drought period pretty well. And and the changing lake level doesn't really affect uh, the critters that live out here all that much.
2: I know the one thing it did change, and we actually, uh, it might have been even you that joined us on uh, Utah's Morning News. We were talking about the boats being back in the water. That's a big day.
4: Yeah, it's a good, that's a good thing to see. Anytime we, we get to put boat, boats back in the lake, we're happy. So,
2: Navi, you, uh, because you live in uh, Kaysville when you're not up at uh, the camp spot, uh, you ride your bike out there, or at least you used to on occasion, didn't you?
3: Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite rides. It, it's like forever. That causeway, you don't really know how far that is, but it feels like nine miles when you finally get over there. And then the rides are you know, nice. the 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 hills aren't real steep, but they're steep enough, and and then there's wildlife everywhere. You know, and um, it's a great place to ride a bike. I, I would love one day if they made it all the way around. You have to have a dirt bike, you know, a mountain bike on the on the well, it's the south end of the island. But yeah, I love it out there.
2: Yeah, and among the biggest of the wildlife, the one that gets all the attention, of course, are uh, the bison. And Russ and I have uh, memories of being yeah. out there. They called on us one uh, one of the roundups uh, come out and cowboy a bit yeah yeah they 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 called on us and then ne- yep. never called us back no, they what happened. Did. <laughs> and <laughs> kind
4: they of a one and done deal there <laughs> yeah.
2: well, they put us on horses and told us to stay as far away from the bison as we could and let the wranglers actually do their job I think yeah that that was no challenge. Right, because we (laughs) fell behind right away. (laughs) That was a great day, though. Uh, We wanted to talk about the bison today, and uh, many people may not know this. We've talked it up through the years, but uh, it's one of the largest populations of bison anywhere in the country, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it's it's the third largest publicly owned herd. So obviously Yellowstone is number one, and then Custer State Park back in South Dakota is number two, and then we're right behind them.
2: You have a management expectation, I think, of around 500, but the herd grows every year with the new calves.
4: Yeah, and and with the condition of the range and and the really good job that my wildlife biologist has been doing out here, when we get done calving and everything's all kind of said and done, we'll be closer to probably 800 animals this year. And the calves look amazing. Um, everything's looking looking so good. So we're carrying a few more, but um, yeah, it's everything's in really good shape this year.
2: Well, and I don't want to eat up all the time, but it is interesting that uh, you sell off those calves because they're in, um, you know, they're sought after so highly because of uh, the fact that they are uh, excluded from the rest of the world, really, out there on the island. So they don't have diseases and some of the problems. So you'll sell off calves to uh, raise the money to maintain the herd during it's really a beautiful situation
4: yeah yeah it's a really good program uh in the last you know 15 years it's it's become almost world renowned we get people from canada and stuff coming down to buy now and and every year we'll sell between 200 and 250 just depending on what what we feel the range can support
2: i don't think i've ever been out there and not seen a, a bison navi that's probably true for you too
4: Oh yeah.
3: They're they're pretty easy to find. And sometimes if you're hiking, like we hike up the hill, you come around a rock and there's one right there too dang close.
2: Well and that's what we wanted to talk about with Jeremy today is uh how to keep yourself safe in those Situations, Because we have had a couple of stories here and plenty more in places like Yellowstone where ding-dongs will get out there and <laughs> try and take a selfie giving uh, a, a bison yeah. a kiss on the lips, which is a yeah. silly thing to try. <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there can be some serious trouble, and we try to always tell people, Jeremy, these big boys and girls move faster than you would think.
4: Yeah, they really do. You know, top speed is probably around 30 miles an hour for an adult bison. And so, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you were out here helping us on your horse the one day. And if one of those guys decided they wanted to come after you, most of the time they can outrun your horse. So as big and as burly as they are, they're, they're very, very athletic and very, very fast.
2: The biggest thing is to keep your distance. And Navi, you said this a while ago. You want to make sure you see them from afar. But uh, I've heard the recommendation that be back as far as you think you need to be and then double that, which I think is good advice. (laughs) Also, that's uh, what I tell everybody no calves in the minivans, okay? (laughs) Yeah, which was tried in Yellowstone. (laughs) Sounds like a silly thing to say, but somebody actually tried this. Uh, What if you are hiking out there? Navi was talking about wishing he could ride a bike all the way around the island. If you're hiking and just as Navi described, you come around the corner and one's there, what do you do?
4: So a couple of things we recommend. We do have trail restrictions on the island, but obviously your safety trumps those trail restrictions. And so if you're if you're hiking and you see a bison in the trail, or any wildlife for that matter, um, and you're uncomfortable, you can either turn back and, and head back the direction you came and pick another route, or you can leave the trail and give them a wide berth and go around. The one nice thing about bison is they're, they're pretty lazy. They're big and they're heavy and they're hot this time of year. So uh, it's not like they're going to come chasing you unless you startle them. But, um, yeah, just leave the trail. Give them a good wide berth. Kind of like you said, if you think you're far enough away, go twice that distance go around them and you can get back on the trail eventually and continue your hike.
2: That kind of describes me in the outdoors during July. I'm big, I'm hot and I'm heavy. And I'm pretty lazy at that point. I don't like getting up. So bring me my drink, bring me the burger. Um, I do appreciate that recommendation though, because I could see people getting caught in a situation where they say, well, I would go that way, but the sign says I can't. So I guess I'll just uh, try and get around this bison in a safe manner. Uh, So if you find yourself in that situation, break the rules a little bit to save your life and save save injury. What about if you see them on the road? Because that happens quite frequently, too.
4: Yeah, on the road, we encourage you to stay in your vehicle. A lot of people, like you said earlier, want to get out and take selfies and do those kinds of things. And and those sorts of movements where you're getting in and out of a vehicle may startle them. So we encourage you to stay in your vehicle. If they're in the road, you can kind of roll through slowly, and they'll move out of the way. Um, But if you want to take your pictures and stuff like that, we we kind of stress that you do it from the safety of your vehicle.
2: Well, I love it. And uh, it's nice to have the water back up again. Hopefully we get another one of these years next year. And there's more water coming your way, it appears. We aren't done with the runoff quite yet. Jeremy Shaw, always great. Thanks for joining us.
4: Good to talk to you. Thanks again.
2: We'll uh, take a break here and come back. Roger Agate, hopefully checking in with us from Bear River Lodge. We'll find out what he's been up to. Last week he was telling us about all the amazing waterfalls as uh, Mayor Lake Highway finally got open. So we'll uh, have that conversation
0: next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
5: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at the letterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Here comes the music. Old Willie wants to get us back out on the road again and of course guiding us along the way. It's road tripping with Bob on the and Mark. Road
1: again. Just can't wait to get on the road
2: again. You up for some historical sites in southern Utah, Russell? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Have you ever heard of Peter's Leap? Well, I have now, but I'm just looking it up. Well, that's that's not fair because you're talking about the conversation we just had off the air with these guys. No, I've never heard of Peter's Leap. All right, right. thank you. That's the question I was looking for. I hadn't either. Uh, Bob Grove, Mark Wade are with us here. Mark, why don't you start, uh, and as we head into the... 24th of July pioneer uh, season here I guess it's appropriate we're talking about the pioneer history of this
5: yes and and, you know we're talking about a place that's between Cedar City and St. George it's on what they call the Black Ridge just below Pine Valley Mountain which goes up about 10,000 feet and as Bob and I are often want to do we uh, we made our own trail uh, in a just kind of a wilderness area there it's not a wilderness but it's just a rough area that we wandered off and found a stream that led us to this place, Peter's Leap, L-E-A-P. And this is an old a mountain road where they, in 1857 through 62, the wagons came down this way. And when they got to the edge of this lava canyon, this deep lava canyon with a stream rolling through it, they asked a man named Peter Schertz, they says, how are we going to get down there? And he says, well, we're going to leap. And <laughs> so now it's Peter's Leap. 165 foot deep canyon gorge, and we went there to see that and and some petroglyphs. But I have to tell you, before we get further into this, uh, Bob was really excited about the fact that we started talking about rattlesnakes in the area, and I happened to have, I happened to have a recording of a rattlesnake tail on my phone.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so as Bob was busy taking a photograph, you can imagine how I I was able to make yeah. it a little.
2: Like, that's great. <laughs> you know the only the the only problem with that is at least in my experience with my phone when I play sounds I can't videotape at the same time because I would have loved yeah. to see his reaction. Uh,
5: you could ask Bob, but I think he got
1: a little whiplash.
2: <laughs> did you get a little well, bob, Did you get a little rattled, Bob?
1: Well, I bob leaped. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 165
1: feet that's yeah that's funny yeah it it sounded you know mark and i have had some rattlesnake encounters so mm-hmm. my thought was not another one <laughs> that's funny <laughs> here we go again
2: um mark was mentioning the petroglyphs tell us a little about that
1: yeah so the history goes back before the pioneers came through the area actually I have a friend my wife and i have a friend uh in our area that told us about this area she had been led down there by an Indian woman who who told her some of the history of the area now uh, up until the there was a fire that came through here probably about six or seven years ago prior to the fire these petroglyphs that we saw were were covered up they were hard to see it would, they were just uh, they weren't exposed to where you could see them clearly and since the fire that exposed these petroglyphs. And so she mentioned it to us. And so we went exploring there, not exactly knowing where to go, but we did eventually find it. But yeah, there's there's some really, really interesting looking petroglyphs down there. And of course, Mark and I always are on the lookout or on are scouting out new places with petroglyphs. But yeah, the the history goes way back into those periods I don't know if they're Fremont or not, but they look like they date back quite a ways.
2: Either one of you can jump in on this, but uh, part of your description of this hike down Leap Creek made it sound a little, and not quite, you know, uh, what we did at uh, the Narrows, but a little like the Narrows.
5: It really was, uh, and I I was thinking of you, Tim, as we we were bounding from rock to rock trying to stay out of the water, Uh, After a while, we got a little tired from bounding from rock to rock too much. We were two miles upriver and then two miles down, and and I started to get a little weary and hit a few uh, slippery spots, and so Bob had a little fun with capturing some photos of me mostly in the river
2: yeah which is always nice when your buddy's on the hike with you and decides to tell you no just stay there i want to get a picture instead of lending you a hand to help you up yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah i said
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> rest knows what yeah, that, that like. like like i've yeah, ever done yeah, that russ. to you yeah russ and i have a lot of stories we can share <laughs> hey we've only got a minute
2: here so uh run through some of the other historical places that maybe people might want to visit in your neck of the woods
1: well, yeah, not far from there is Silver Reef uh, Ghost Town, just uh, just a short distance from there. There's a lot of great history there. The Frontier Homestead State Park up in Cedar City. There's a lot of really interesting artifacts and the in the history museum there. Uh, Jacob Hamlin's home in Santa Clara, where I used to live. Uh, Mark did, too. Mark and I both lived in Santa Clara Heights. Uh, Pipe Spring National Monument just there on the Arizona Strip, not far from Hurricane. And then the uh, Grafton ghost town up in Springdale, which is always fun to visit. It's where uh, the schoolhouse scene was filmed for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh wow! Raindrops keep falling on my head.
2: Very nice. Uh, real quick, Mark, is uh, Peter's Leap marked at all for people to find, or you got to kind of know where you're going? Yes, if
5: you just if you uh, pull up your Google Map, it, it'll show a point a pinpoint on the map. Bob and I found that it's it's close to where it's. Pinpoint it, but, uh, yes, it's there, and you can find it on maps, and you can find descriptions on how to get there. But mostly if you go to our blog, roadtrippingwithbobandmark.com, you'll find more details about that. And then our Utah Photogs website is a good resource as well.
2: You've gotten good at this. Perfect wrap-up to the segment. (laughs) Bob Grove, Mark Wade, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking us out and about again this week.
1: Always our pleasure. Always good to be with you. All
2: right, we'll take a break. Uh, let's see. Coming up, oh, we've got a news update, and then on the other side, our buddy Chris Dallin has been yeah. fishing up in Alaska. Good to hear from him. I think I said he's in Kenai this morning. We'll uh, talk to him coming up next.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
5: Two teenage kids